1: It's the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night. About it. a real C's fan wouldn't wanna live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East, and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city like Russell's career.
0: It's Rain and J's. Millie's. Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We are here for you every weekday to get you through your day, get you started, get you home, whatever it is that you're doing. It's a Friday show, so happy Friday! You made it through your work week, and we're happy to be a part of your Friday, celebrating it with you. We're the Ray and Jays. I am John Corrales, cover the Celtics for MassLive.com, I'm Joined today by Samuel Jamison Packard the Third, Jam, also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam, Jam, and Young Baby Jamwich, Jam. Oh man, that wasn't that wasn't different enough. No, the third the
1: third jam is really throwing me up. I don't normally have three jams in me.
0: No, we so I think really honestly, I have to set you up better. I have to be the point guard here. I'm, I've got to make sure that you're getting the toss in enough time in the right place for you to execute the jam. The jam is your thing. You're the I, I respect.
1: You see, what I'm saying I respect you taking that responsibility, but I also have to remember that it's coming. Um, uh, and this time I completely forgot until you said the word Jamison. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, crap. I got to come up with three different jams right now. <laughs> and so
0: no, it's <laughs> that's just, on me, too. Everyone's got to
1: take responsibility. Sure,
0: sure. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. Personal responsibility. Thanks to, uh, I hope I'm saying this name correctly, Amal Sharma, who uh, tagged me in a tweet. He is the Media and Marketing Bureau Chief at the Wall Street Journal. And he's, Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's a big, this is a big deal. And he sent out a series of tweets that started with my things to work on this offseason list for the Celtics. Went on to list a few of the, his things, said he'd be interested in our list. Tag me, Jay, Himmelsbach, Adam Kaufman. And said. so I
1: say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. It threw in Himmelsbach and Adam Kaufman, but not didn't tag Jam. Didn't tag Jam. Sorry.
0: A little tough, but I was I'll, gonna, I'll power through. I was going to gloss right past that, but <laughs> I can't can't let that slip. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I decided I'm not going to answer that, other than to say this might just become tonight's podcast topic because it did just become tonight's podcast topic. We're going to spend the entire show talking about what the Celtics need to work on this offseason the rotation players, the starters, the bench. Brad Stevens, everybody. So let's just go through that. Reminder to all of you new listeners, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you aboard. Thank you for uh, joining in. Subscribe to the podcast using the new Himalaya Podcast app. Curates your podcast feed based on your interests, so it's a very cool app. And you can also tell your smart device at home or in your car to play podcast Lockdown Celtics. So please do that and subscribe to get this to your device on a daily basis. So, Jam, let's start with the starters. Should we just assume in this practice here that Kyrie is coming back? Can we just say Kyrie is back for the, the purposes of this discussion? And
1: Sure. For, the, for, for this exercise, why not? Kyrie is coming back.
0: Kyrie is coming back. So there's – we'll just assume that the guys who could leave – are coming back, except for Terry Rozier, because he's definitely gone. I think we have to
1: assume that Terry Rozier and Mook are not. Uh, no, they've played their last games as a, a member of the Celtics.
0: I I think that's safe. Mook is iffy. I think if the Celtics do pull off a trade for Anthony Davis, they might re-sign Mook. But that's – we can we – can...
1: I, w- I just want Mook to get as much money as possible, and I don't think the Celtics can
0: give it to him. I agree. I agree. So let's just say, okay, so Mook and Terry will assume that they're going to go. And it doesn't matter what we say about them anyway, because they're just going to be who they are. All right, let's start with Kyrie Irving. And I don't think there's anything that Kyrie Irving can do on the court, really, that's going to change. I think Kyrie's thing to work on this offseason would be, and this really applies to wherever he goes, is to understand and apply a little humility to his overall approach. He has spent the entire year talking about him being a basketball genius and how all of these things are going to happen because he's here and blah, 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 blah. And I think he just needs to understand that if, even if you consider yourself to be a superstar on the level of a LeBron, a Kevin Durant, which he is not, but if he wants to be that, and if he can get himself there, there is an internal ego that you have, but externally you have to not uh, not convey how much you love yourself. Like I think a little bit of humility from Kyrie Irving's part will do a great justice to himself and would endear him a little bit more to his teammates.
1: No, I I, I have to agree. I don't think that the issue for Kyrie is on the court, because if you look at his statistics and you just look at like what he did this year, he probably had uh, one of the best years of his career. He was 40% from three. He averaged uh, just a tick under seven assists per game, uh, five rebounds a game. He was damn efficient. He was really, really fucking good. Like he was probably (laughs) the best Kyrie Irving we've ever seen. And so I agree. I think it's, I think it's all in his approach, and I don't know if it's necessarily humility, but I think it's tied into humility. And I think it, it, the first thing I think about, and it comes back to one of uh, Brad's press conference after the Celtics lost, uh, to the Bucks. And he immediately, uh, just started praising the Bucks for building championship habits. And I don't think at any point in this year, Kyrie was committed to putting the hard work in to kind of build those championship habits. And I'm saying that from a, a, definitely an outsider's perspective. I have no idea about like what was going on with the, the practices. But Kyrie was the first person to say, like, our, our mess-ups in this season don't really matter, just like, welcome to the playoffs. And kind of just saying that the regular season doesn't matter and it's not like a, a big deal. And that's just not... The type of like habit building, and that's not putting in the hard work to like have make sure you have something to rely on moving forward. So I think it's definitely an approach to him, like him buying into like all of the stuff before the playoffs really matters. Um, because like if, if I think back to media day this year, every single player on the Celtics was on message and they were saying, like, we need to put in the work, we haven't done anything yet. But I don't think they really believed it. And so and I think a lot of that comes from the leader of the team. And all, like I think Kyrie Irving, for better or worse, was the leader of this team just because he's the most talented player. And I just don't know if he believed fully that the the Celtics needed to put in all that work in order to kind of build up those habits. So I think it's an approach of like he needs to set the tone of being the guy in there ready to win uh, and basically doing all of like the hard work. So they do have those habits uh, that they can lean on when. I don't know. They go on a four-game losing streak, or they, uh, you know, face some sort of adversity in the playoffs, or they just miss their first, like their next eight shots, which they seem to do a bunch of times in the season. So I think it's just all about that kind of that work and that habit building and, and enjoying the the process of getting better. It felt like Kyrie was a uh, reliant on or the assumption that this team had talent, this team was going to be great, um, but didn't really thrive in the the process of like building a team to get better each day. He was, he did not embrace his true Kaizen. I think that's the (laughs) thing he has to improve on.
0: You know what? Here's the best way I can put it. He needs to understand that not everybody is him. And I think when you look at, look at the, the great players, the really great players who tried to be coaches, uh, how many of them failed? They, they don't do well often because they assume <laughs> why, why are you not great? Why are you not just right. great? <laughs> why, why can't you just do this? Just do this. Like, well, not everybody can do what you do. And, and so, I
1: think it's, I'm sorry to interrupt, but then another thing is like, I think it's the, the, like he doesn't realize how much of his approach translates down to the kind of the lesser players. And right. so he can coast by on being great, but it doesn't, he doesn't realize That's that I'm saying. him putting in the more work is like translates to other guys kind of like following his lead.
0: That's exactly what I'm saying. He needs to understand when I say not everybody is him, like he can go through a regular season and coast and, and turn it on in a postseason, even though it didn't quite work. Allegedly, allegedly, Alleg- allegedly right, 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 he can right. turn it on. <laughs> right. It, it, like for four games at the end, he didn't, but okay. But let's just give him, let's just grant him this notion. Okay. If, if I'm talking directly to Kyrie and can say, okay, you, you feel like you can coast through a regular season and turn it on in the postseason. Okay, that's fine. You can. And few people can, though. And that's when we talk about regular season habits. And so he, as the leader, needs to set this example that even though he can turn it on in the playoffs – he needs to put in the work. He needs to show these guys, the lesser players, or the guys who aren't good at, as good as him yet. Tatum might be a superstar someday. Who knows? It, that's his ceiling. He's not yet. He needs to learn that you don't become a superstar by coasting through regular seasons. You become a superstar by putting in the work even though you're better than everybody else. That's what makes superstars superstars because there are a lot of guys who can handle a ball. There are a lot of guys who can jump. There are a million, like literally a million guys who can jump as high as Michael Jordan did, who could run as fast as John Wall. There are a bunch of people who can do all of that stuff. The difference in what makes good players great is their obsessive work. Okay, That Larry Bird, Magic Johnson rivalry, that... Larry Bird was sitting there just constantly working on his game because he knew in the back of his head that Magic Johnson was on the other side of the the, the country working harder than him. And Magic was on the West Coast thinking, well, Larry's working harder than me. And they let that mental thing push each other. Michael Jordan, in his Hall of Fame speech, when he was still (laughs) calling out all the people, like at that point, like everybody knows you're the greatest, man. And he still carried that. That bitterness, that thing in in that in your head that makes a good player great, a superstar, that obsessiveness, like you can't you can't teach these young players who are trying to be good that coasting or not putting in the hard work is okay. So my that's my message to Kyrie. You you even though you can do it, you can't do it because you're you're letting younger players get off the hook and they don't have that ability that you, th- you have, or you think you have to turn it on in the postseason.
1: And I'm going to just take this opportunity to blame LeBron James for this because uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ky- that's the kind of the school of thought that Kyrie came up under where LeBron James had an ability to do that, at least in the, in the second Cleveland administration, because He's LeBron James. He's uh, one of the best basketball players in the history of time. And he really could turn it on. We saw a couple of those Cavs playoffs runs where he, they really did turn it on and were able to make the finals. Granted, they were helped out because the East was relatively weak, but Kyrie Irving is not LeBron James. He's not someone who can have that big an impact on the game. And also LeBron James had the, like the, uh, benefit of having a talent like Kyrie Irving out there. But I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it, it's about it's about going beyond just your immediate talent. It's about being the leader and per, like kind of being the multiplier effect for every else on the team based on your your work ethic and, and trying to kind of propel everyone else forward. So Kyrie needs to become a true if he returns and hopefully he does, he needs to become a true Kaizen warrior and uh, just read the growth mindset and he'll he'll figure it
0: out. That that'll that'll do it. That's his that's his assignment. Uh, okay let's move on this should be quick al horford what does al Horford ne- even need to do anything just keep being al horford
1: uh continue his fantastic skincare regimen yep um continue <laughs> being a great father and a great husband um I think maybe i don't even like, i can't even like can you request that a guy work on durability um like i think uh, someone at, at al's age like 33 years old it's not something like he can put in a whole bunch of extra work. I think Al Horford is, uh, if anything, I think it, it's he pay, like I think his criticism, the classic like Lou Maloney criticism, is like, oh, he, he paces himself in the uh, regular season and then the playoffs he play like he like is so much more aggressive. It's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm for that strategy. He's yeah. if he needs to save it a little bit and uh, do load management and so he can save for playoffs. Um, I'm for that. I'm sure there are like specific things that Al Horford needs to work on, but I'm not going to criticize I, that man.
0: I would say that Al Horford summer should be getting into like yoga and oh yeah. all that, all that kind of stuff. Like he needs to go into the Joe Johnson school of longevity and hot yoga, all that stuff to like really get that flexibility, flexibility and, um, and, and just make himself as healthy as possible. And then, honestly just shooting threes. Like he just needs to, uh, if he needs to work on anything, it's getting that three point shooting percentage up a little bit more. Like his, his drop off from what was it? 40% a couple seasons, seasons ago to like 36. Uh, th- that's that those few percentage points make a big difference. So just keep on figuring out the, the three point shooting. That, that's all he needs to do, but mostly it's his body and getting into like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to buy him one of those yoga class pass things like that. That's my gift to Al Horford.
1: Yeah. I, I'm just imagining Al Horford sweating a lot high yoga and it's a good image. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> Let's go to the Jays. Let's start with Jason Tatum. Uh, my first thing for Jason Tatum is to stay away from Kobe Bryant at all costs. Just do not go work out with Kobe at all. Stop. Don't do that. He needs to work on his ball handling and like just dribbling two balls everywhere he goes. So when he drives, because he should be driving excessively, he can get to the rim without losing the ball. He still loses the ball too easily. I want Jason Tatum to come back as a guy who attacks the rim and shoots threes. None of this mid-range crap It's okay to have those shots where you step into a 15-footer. That's fine. You take a big guy off the dribble and you step in rhythm to a foul line jumper. That's that's money. That's easy money. That's a that's a warm up shot. Fine. The up fake stepping into a, a shot that's a foot into the three point line. No, not at all. So that needs to keep driving. And he needs to keep attacking. He needs to be a free throw grifter. He needs to be shooting eight, nine, ten times from the line. That's where Jason Tatum needs to be.
1: I I agree a thousand percent. I so I watch my buddy on Instagram. He trains uh, prospects for the NBA draft. He's also he was the G League coach for the Red Claws this year. But I, all every single time I see one of his Instagram stories, he has like a a, a pad where he just basically just beats the shit out of all of his. Uh, people he's training while they're going to the uh to the rim and i just feel like that's what jason tatum needs to do for the entire summer is just have someone beat him up the entire time and i'm glad you mentioned Grifty because he probably for every single time i felt like he drew a lot of contact this year his contact to actual fouls drawn ratio was horrendous and I can't tell if it's just he's a young player. I can't tell if he's just like pissed off the refs or doesn't have the reputation yet, but he needs to change either his uh, approach in terms of uh, selling the contact or his approach in terms of working the referees. But something needs to change where he it results in more foul shots for him. It's it could just him be more aggressive. It could him being kind of the hardened flailback where he, it, it really sells contact, but He has all the talent in the world. I think we saw him at his – when he's at his best, he is getting to the rim. Um, And so it's getting to the rim and drawing uh, contact, drawing fouls, and just being more of a presence around the rim. And that involves being gathered – gathering just the ball when he goes up because he feels like he still loses that a bunch. But I think it's a lot about uh, playing through contact and then just being able to either sell calls or draw those foul calls because you're right, he should be a guy who gets – I would say eight to 10 free throws a game. He's just Tatum length is a thing we've talked about. He can really use that. He's giant uh, a body that really should be using to his advantage. And that's one of the Celtics biggest deficiencies of last season. Um And so if he, and I think he's the best suited in terms of players on the Celtics right now to kind of, really uh improve his free throw rate uh, just because Kyrie I don't think he's ever going to be that guy Al Horford's not really that, that that type of player but Tatum really he can be that type of player so whatever you can do in the offseason to improve your free throw rate I think Jason Tatum needs
0: to be doing it absolutely okay so let's take a break we've got a few more players to go through here so we'll take a break we'll come back we've also got Brad Stevens to talk about we'll do that in the third segment So stick around. Much more coming up on the Locked On Celtics podcast.
2: NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Back with more of the off-season to-do list. We've done Kyrie, Al Horford, we've done Jason Tatum. Now let's—we only did three guys in all that time. Wow. Uh, <laughs> let's let's go to Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is next. And say, uh, you know, I think Jalen Brown a lot of the same a lot of the same stuff with uh, with him applies to uh, a lot of the same stuff with Jason Tatum applies to Jalen Brown. Where preeminently his ball handling. Is still a thing that he needs to work on. Um, I thought he did a great job throughout the course of the season, adjusting, adding a a, a fadeaway in the post, uh, picking his spots, shooting, driving. He just, if anything, he just needs to work on properly attacking the closeouts. and And I think just getting that three, honing that three point shot, getting his ball handling, tightening tightening up his ball handling. And continuing to just work on varying his speeds on his drives, but attacking the closeouts and just knowing how to attack his close, attack the closeouts. Um, and that could be something as maybe he needs to add a spin move in the lane. He doesn't do a lot of spin moves, but some, that's something that could work. Um, he, he's worked on the Euro step a little bit. I like that. I, I, I just, I like how his season progressed. I really think this past season, Jalen Brown grew the most like from day one to day game 94, whatever it was, 95 Jalen Brown really had a very, very nice progression from beginning to end. I want him to continue that driving in the half court, I think is something that he needs to get better at. And, and if he can really do that better then the free throws there will start to come naturally. And of course, the free throw shooting needs to get better.
1: Oh, yeah. The, the free throw shooting definitely needs to improve. His his shooting um, splits in the postseason were absolutely ridiculous, where he's shooting like 50% from three and 50% from the line. That's weird. But, it's so weird. It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make any sense. But your, your point about how much he progressed this season, caveat, it's helped that he started out so poorly because there was only so much room to go up but he was like the actual the uh, embrace the the idea of kaizen and incremental progress because it felt like he was getting better throughout the entire year his three point percentage went up and it feel like there's just many different facets to his game that just like he kept on adding to and tinkering with and just got better you mentioned his um his kind of fadeaway in the lane i thought his passing and his playmaking just improved drastically uh, in terms of driving with his head up and his ability to make a pass once he actually did drive. Um, and so I think it's just more of the same. It's more of just being able to attack uh and not just being a head down kind of homicidal Jalen, which, although I appreciate <laughs> homicidal Jalen a lot, it's uh kind of being able to drive with your head up and, and make the right play and make the right pass in that situation. And it's something I definitely think he got better at as the season got on. But I think, when he kind of unlocks his ability as a playmaker, I think he becomes that much more dangerous, um, on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, it's, it's classically the, the falling for the pump fake and, um, yes. just doing a better job of that, uh, of, of just closeouts outs in general, but he really like straw, like, I think he actually, it's another thing he improved upon. He wasn't as bad, but, and, and part of this is just like playing against Chris Middleton, a known demon, uh, where it's hard to, to kind of fight off his dark magic, but, Jalen Brown really struggled with the the pump fake, and it's something he struggled with his his entire career, just because he's kind of a naturally aggressive and, and bouncy defensive player. But I think that's what that would be the main focus for me uh, on for Jalen on the defensive end.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's a, a very solid solid point. I, I mean, just seeing him bite on those pump fakes and that gets him into foul trouble, and and that's when when you're as good as he is, you want to that that's something you can easily clean up. And and the thing with those guys that are it's funny that supreme athletes like these these super athletes, they they bite on these fakes when really you can stay down and and take an extra beat before jumping. And they, they tend to jump right away. Like Robert Williams and we'll get to him. But what was your joke the entire year? He loves to jump. <laughs> that guy loves jumping. He loves jumping. He never the guy, he can wait until the guy actually leaves his feet and still jump as high as he can because he's so quick. Like, he can, he doesn't even have to bite on the fake. Like, if, if on some of these fakes, if some of those were actual jump shots, the way he jumps and the way Jalen Brown jumps, like, okay, fine. You block the shot with your face. Like, that's – you don't have to do that. You can wait to see if it's an actual – jump. And then you can jump and you can still get a finger on that shot and still be a threat to block that shot. So, and, and the reason why they're even pump faking you is because you're a threat. So I agree. It's, it's something that you need to get in your head and have that confidence in. It's the same concept defensively as like, Telling Kelly Olenek to shoot the ball even when a guy's closing out because you can still get that shot off. You don't have to pump fake every time. Like it's the same thing. You can you can wait. You 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 don't know how much time you actually have on the floor. So that's Jalen Brown. Okay, let's move on to Gordon Hayward. So Gordon Hayward, step one is Remember that you're Gordon Hayward. <laughs> yes. That's really the biggest thing that he needs to do. He needs to take this summer and exercise all of the demons. This entire summer should be one big ego boost to to Gordon Hayward. Whatever Drew Hanlon or whomever they're working out with, they need to get Gordon Hayward back to the I'm a Western Conference all-star Gordon Hayward not this tentative guy not this guy that gets swallowed up by double teams which part of it is the recovery from the injury like he was just not physically in a place he was not confident enough in himself in his body to do the things that he needed to do on the floor even though his body probably could have done it he now just needs to go through a summer of his body doing it and if he can do that then things will go very well for him next year. but this summer is one million percent about getting Gordon Hayward's confidence back.
1: I don't, I don't know it, he definitely needs the confidence, but I don't know if they just like he's a gamer. he's probably used to a bunch of shit talk and like people just like being mean to him online and uh, I don't know if like they just need to piss him off. but I want like the Gordon Hayward Revenge Anger Tour starting in october 2019 he needs to come out with like the fury of a thousand sons and just (laughs) pissed off and trying to prove people wrong like that's like the like i need to see like the the most intense gordon hayward starting on day one and that like i think it might be difficult playing with Kyrie. it might be difficult playing with like all the different guys and him especially with like recent terry rozier comments and things we've uh, observed of him kind of getting minutes to start the year that he didn't really, his play didn't, uh, he didn't deserve those minutes. So maybe he was in an awkward kind of situation there, but he needs to come out and just be trying to prove to everyone that I'm fucking Gordon Hayward. I deserve this money. I am an all-star and you guys are all like wrong. And so it goes hand in hand with the confidence. You need the confidence to be able to come out like that. But we talk about angry Al. I want angry Gordon. I think he needs like a, a sleeve of tattoos, maybe a neck (laughs) tattoo. Yeah. I don't want daddy always happy. Like, I think he just needs to be furious. I want furious
0: Gordon Hayward for sustained months. That would be amazing. You you remember the first 20, whatever point game he had was against Minnesota. Um, and Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris were like, Yeah, we, we really fucked with him the entire practice. Like they were fouling him and all that stuff, and it really pissed them off and it and he came out and had that game. Like
1: Marcus Smart needs to move in with Gordon Hayward and just foul him every single moment of the day. Just when he's making breakfast, um, yes. he needs to be taking charges,
0: like he needs to just piss him off. Just slap the bacon out of his hand in the morning and just step up to him like what? What you gonna do? What? and just piss the entire time just give him an edge the entire just torture him just really like like war crime torture <laughs> waterboard him yeah just, emotionally waterboard him just whatever you need to do so he comes into the season just just a different person <laughs> uh, yeah he needs he needs that edge he definitely needs that edge he has it guys have talked about it in practice. He has that edge. He just he loses it too easily. And and that's probably just his personality, but he really just needs to find a place. He needs to find that like you said, I'm Gordon fucking Hayward place and just whenever he's doing on the floor like just it doesn't matter who is in front of him. But like I'm I'm G and I'm going to go out there. I'm just going to dunk on you. Like we saw flashes of it. We saw flashes of it, even in the Indiana series, when he, he tried to get back the, the, the poster that Miles Turner put on him. Like that, that's the edge. That right there is the edge that we need out of Gordon Hayward for sure. So whatever they need to do, slap them around, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm a hundred percent for that. Uh
1: who's next on our list? Let's see. Mark is smart and he doesn't need to change anything because he's a beautiful boy and I love him. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm in agreement. Just Tell like, me I'm wrong. <laughs> I, there's really um I I don't He shot thirty six percent from three this year. He was
1: playing in cr- crazy intense defense. I think maybe he can improve uh playmaking on offense. Uh, cause he, I don't think like in years past, I thought he was better at kind of, uh, playmaking in the pick and roll. And so maybe it was like, had more to do with his role this season. But, um, I just think Marcus needs to keep being Marcus.
0: mean, we, we love Marcus and I, I hope, man, this summer is going to be weird and I, I, I hope it doesn't cost the Celtics Marcus smart. I understand if it does, but man, that, that would really suck. And, but having him just keep doing, just keep shooting, man. Keep working on that shot. Keep improving that shot. Keep going out there and and just working on it in, in different situations. Uh, improve that shooting just a little bit more. Anything you can do to just keep on doing that is uh, I'm all for that. So not really much to talk about with Marcus smart. I mean, he's just keep being Marcus smart. We love it. Um, uh, who else do we have left? Right, we want to get into.
1: We can we can go real quick about Shemmy Ojole? I thought Shemmy was a pretty improved. He was a pretty uh, better, uh, a better a better three point shooter this year than I thought he would ever be. I think he just needs to keep shooting, keep being aggressive yeah, he on offense.
0: Needs to be he needs to understand like that you're a three and D guy and just you, he's got to spend the entire summer shooting and becoming a dead eye shooter. Like he's got to shoot forty percent from three. What did he shoot this past season from 30?
1: He was 31%, which yeah. feels lower than I actually thought, because I thought he was actually – it's actually lower than his uh, rookie season. Um, yeah.
0: He needs but to that, be like – if he's going to exist in the NBA, he needs to be a guy like James Posey was for the Celtics in the Big Three era. He just needs to be a guy that can defend his ass off, which he can, but when he catches the ball like you – he needs to be the guy that a defender says, oh, shit, when he catches the ball wide open. And, and he's not there yet. He did do that a little bit. And he even did that in the Milwaukee series a little bit. But he just needs to get himself to a place where he's a dead-eye shooter. He hits the shots in practice. So I've seen him. Uh, he just needs to tra- have that translate to the games.
1: He had a crazy second year because he went from going playing 15 minutes a game in his rookie year to now play he only played 10 minutes a game and I'm shocked just looking at his three point attempts in total he just took way le- like just fewer shots just on the year so I thought he actually had a, a pretty decent approach and he felt like he took corner threes with a lot of confidence this year so I was surprised to see his percentage be so low but I agree he just needs to be If he can get up to thirty-five and be the kind of same defensive player, he should be a very solid like eighth or ninth guy on the bench.
0: Who's left? Uh, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice might
1: be around, but who knows? Um, I don't know. Daniel Tice needs to become more athletic. (laughs) Like, just be a different guy than Daniel Tice. I feel like Daniel (laughs) Tice is really—he's like maximized his uh, ability as Daniel Tice.
0: yeah, he, again, it, like, all of these guys, him, Yabu, like, they, they need to... Oh, we didn't do Aaron Baines.
1: I don't... Wait, what Can Aaron Baines shoot more threes? I don't know. Aaron Baines uh, get think, dunked on less.
0: I think, it feels like, hard to... Honestly, like, I think Aaron Baines falls in the same mold. Him, Yabu, Tice, Shemi, shoot better from three. Like, that's... Like, that. that's all you can do. Like, Aaron Baines is good in the post. He's good... He's good defensively, like he's exactly what you need him to be. Uh, If he's going to shoot threes, he shot 34%. So if you're going to shoot the threes, then you got to knock him down. Um, If anything, I would just, I would hope that he's a little more judicious with his three-point shooting. No, no, no,
1: no. Shoot more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. He was 1.2
1: threes a game up from .3. I love it. (laughs)
0: That's <laughs> he shot 61 three-pointers this past season. Uh, over the course of the rest of his career, he shot, what's that, 21, 27, 28. So more than twice as many threes than his entire one, two, three, four, five, six years in the league <laughs> in this past it re-
1: season. It's really insane that he made threes uh years ago in that Philadelphia series because he, in that entire season, he only made three and then he just started making them against the Sixers, which is laugh out loud funny.
0: Yeah. He made 11 in that series. <laughs> that is, that's just insane. He, he didn't make 11. He, he made four his, entire, play, career. his entire career <laughs> prior to that. And he made 11 in that series. He made 21 this entire season. So he still made, he still only doubled, not even, that playoff total from last season in the entire regular season. So whatever it was, uh, he needs to keep, keep, yeah, fuck it. Keep shooting, keep shooting. Just be better at it. Just be better at it. If you're going to shoot that, that's the only thing I would ask. If you're going to shoot, then just be above league average or don't shoot them. That's it. agree. Uh, I I there's
1: only one more player I can think of that we can, can talk about. And that is, uh, Senor Time Lord himself.
0: Yes. Well, and he
1: needs to do something on offense other than catch lobs. Yeah. Um I don't think he can extend out to three at this point, although um, he's he should probably be working on it. He's
0: working on it. I've seen him taking the threes in practice, like he's but the- even
1: even just like a willingness to take an elbow jumper. I know it's not like the most uh, efficient shot, and I'm sure that's not like what the Celtics offense wants. But anytime he had the ball this year, the anyone defending him was at least eight to nine feet off of him. And it's just like you need to, you need to change that a little bit and be a little bit more dangerous on the offensive end just to keep defenders honest. It will open up the lobs. It'll just open up spacing, um, that much more. Um, and then on top of that, even if it's not a shooting, he needs to go to like the Al Horford, Marcin Gortat school of uh, setting picks. Mm -hmm. I just think he, (laughs) if he's going to be this like dominant, like dominant high flying role, man, like it it all starts with the pick and roll. And so if he can be, get better at setting those picks and then rolling to the rim, uh, it's just like, cause he, he's ready to come in and make a defensive impact. He's just a nothing offensively. And I don't think he's going to be a great offensive player, but he needs to be, if you're going to become like a solid NBA role player, a type of guy you can come in and like make an impact defensively. You can't be a negative on the offensive end. You need to at least be neutral. And so um, I don't know if it's just hitting that mid range shot, if it's extending out to three or if it's just like becoming a great guy, a a kind of role man setting picks, but he needs to just improve on the offensive end.
0: Yeah. And and he has been working on it. Like you've seen it. He, he started taking a few jumpers. Uh, I remember that wizards game to end the season, his, I think he only hit one basket off the top of my head. And it was a, it was like a 15 footer. It was kind of nuts. Um, he's working on facing up. He's working on his shot. And that's something that he definitely needs to do. And it's, it's a new wrinkle to his game, but it's, it, and it's going to take time when you're, when you're adding things like right now, his bread and butter is defending, setting a good picks like the pick. Like you said, the Horford-Gortat school, that's more important than the jumper. Because you can set the pick, and maybe they'll just play you to pop, but you can still be Clint Capella-esque, and that was the comp coming in this season. You can still be the guy that rolls and catches the lobs. That's still effective enough. The other stuff will come, and like I said, he's working on it. So um, I'm, I'm confident that he will... I don't know how good he'll get at it, but I'm confident that he's putting in the work and that it will get better. And we'll see how much better it gets. Okay. Let's take a break. We're going to come back and talk about coaching. Brad Stevens has a lot to work on too. Uh, And before we do that, I just want to send a shout out to the Boston Bruins who are going to the Stanley cup finals. Watching this game as we're podcasting, it's 4 nothing. and, they'll, and they'll last, this game is over. The Bru- so the Red Sox have won. The Patriots have won. The, the Bruins are going to the finals. If the Celtics remain as the only team that didn't win a championship in Boston, how embarrassing is that? Yeah. They're, they're the team that came in with the highest expectations. I think the
1: Patriots always have the highest expectations. Sure. To be fair,
0: sure, okay, but the Celtics were right there. No one expected the Red Sox. No one expected the Bruins.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just, I'm not a hockey guy whatsoever. I've got a lot of hot hockey takes that I'm not going to subject the listeners to huh. right now.
0: All right, we're going to take a break. We're coming right back on the Lockdown On Celtics podcast. <laughs>
1: You're up-to-date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: One more offseason look. And it's Brad Stevens and the coaching staff in general, but Brad Stevens for sure. And we'll, we'll bring up Gary Washburn's piece in the Boston Globe that suggested that Brad Stevens swooped in too late. And that's a pretty much a direct quote from uh, Washburn. And he was told that by the time Brad Stevens came in and tried to fix the the problems with Kyrie Irving in the locker room, uh, it was a little too late. And the self-policing that Brad Stevens allows his locker rooms to do didn't work out this season. Uh, this goes back to what we were saying about uh, Brad Stevens doesn't know how to coach Kyrie Irving. When Kyrie, Ir- Kyrie Irving said, Brad has never coached a guy like me, like that's it's a very true statement. And the question now is whether that has cost the Celtics Um, Kyrie Irving or or not there, there are people I've been told from people, uh, in the league that the, the Celtics, uh, or, or that Kyrie has, doesn't think that Brad Stevens knows how to coach him. and, And that's why he's looking to leave. I don't know how true that is because it's far removed from the team, but Brad Stevens definitely needs work on this aspect of his game. Brad Stevens' strength is getting people who are not seen as good enough to overachieve. He his kaizen that whole thing, the growth mindset. It's about getting a bunch of guys who have been um, written off, the Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder types of the world, and to get them to rally together and follow him under a common cause and over or outperform their expectations. And now he had a season where everybody was supposed to be great and everybody was believing how great they are. And no one gave a shit about following. Yay. Let's rally behind Brad. Cause they're like, yeah, we got this. We don't need your growth mindset. We've grown already. And he, Brad Stevens, in my opinion, needs to find that next thing. Like you're great at rallying the troops when they don't think they can do it. Now, how do you manage these egos? The Phil Jackson type thing where you've got a bunch of guys who think they're fucking awesome. How do you get those guys to actually work together as part of a team? So that is his biggest challenge this summer.
1: I have to agree. And I think it goes back to the, the habit building. And it's like a a lot of what you said is it's easy to convince guys like Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder that they need to put in the work because those guys like Jay Crowder came from two junior colleges and has been like putting in the crazy amount of work and knows that's what he takes. Um, And it's harder to convince the established stars or guys who think they're established stars to put in that, um, that amount of effort uh, early on in the season and build up those habits Uh, and and like, I go back to media day where they're all saying the right things and they're all talking about the, the amount of work that they need to put into, uh, into the season. And so it's, I think coaching is one of the, the more difficult things to try to evaluate because it's like, how do you evaluate Brad Steven's ability to get Kyrie Irving to do something? Like a lot of that is on, like, I guess that is the job of the coach, but a lot of that is on Kyrie Irving's uh decision making and whether or not he like wants to put in put into that effort eventually it's like how much can you really control another person but I do think there needs to be something and i don't know if it's him like stepping in more and being more of a, an authoritarian i think players like the idea that kyrie doesn't think brad knows how to coach him like it's kind of like comical to me because like in the the alternative is that brad was going to be more of a kind of a a dickhead and kind of try to challenge Kyrie more, which I don't think Kyrie would necessarily appreciate. I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe that's what like the kind of coaching he wants, but it's like the better way to deal with Kyrie is to kind of like demand more from him. And maybe that's the, that's the solution. So it, I think it's hard uh, to try and figure out what exactly Brad needs to do in terms of managing personalities, because it's, it's, it's really tough to evaluate kind of the, the individual impact a, a, a coach like that has. On the strict X's and O's, I think the offense needs a, like, I like the idea of the, the, the read and react offense and a bunch of guys, then the Brad special and then a bunch of guys having 12 to 15 points. But like, the, the offense just was so many times this year stagnant and it didn't work out when guys were not getting shots. And you know what? Why, like, run, let's not save Kyrie and Al. Pick and rolls for just the postseason. I think there's ways where um, it might not be the most egalitarian offense, and it might not be one where it gets everyone like the most involved, and it's not the perfect uh, kind of beautiful game. But at some point, just running spread pick and roll is, is shown to work in this here NBA. We talk about, and then when you have players like Kyrie and Al Horford, I just think you need to to go to that more often um, because the offense this year just was not. At points, I think that was their biggest struggle. Is just like, okay, there's a second quarter where we haven't scored points for eight minutes. Like, if you run more, just like spread pick and roll, designed to just have your best players be great. I think you you just get better results that way. So I think their their offense needs to be a little bit retooled, retooled to be. And maybe that's what playing with stars is that you you give the you put more um, kind of eggs in the stars basket and let them be great instead of trying to have this egalitarian offense, You just it, that's the way you placate some of the stars. But I just think there needs to be some sort of adjustment on that front if uh, Kyrie returns to just try to get more out of Kyrie Irving um, because he could, has the potential to be this great pick-and-roll player. And I just don't think we saw enough of that uh, this year uh, from the Celtics offense.
0: Yeah, I think when you have this level of talent, the Celtics, it makes sense in a vacuum. It makes sense to say... Move the ball, everybody gets their shots, everything everything works, and, and when everybody does the right thing, everybody will benefit. Except the problem is these young guys, they don't care about that shit. They just want to keep shooting and get their own stats and pad their own stats because it looks good and it, it helps them as in their future contracts. Like, that's just something that you have to understand like the, I think for Brad Stevens, I don't know what he's like behind closed doors. Like we're not allowed in there for the entirety of practices. We're, we're allowed in there after practice is over. So I don't know how much he gets on guys. I don't know what he's like in the locker room in film sessions. And, and these, but, but, the perception is that the the guy that we see in the interviews and the guy that we see in general like that, it makes sense that he's at least some level of that guy in practice. What what he needs to be is a little bit more, um, like he needs a little bit more pop Greg Popovich. Like he needs a little bit more just get, he's been kind of a dickhead, <laughs> right? Like he just needs to assert a little bit more and, whatever a guy's role is like, he just needs to make sure that these guys, your role is your role. This is what you need to do. You're on this team and you're, you're going to do this. So what he, and, and he needs to get on Kyrie a little bit. Like he needs to challenge Kyrie to, to some degree. Like you, you can do, it's not about what you can do. It's what we need you to do. And, There's some middle ground between the two, but he needs to let Kyrie be Kyrie to a point, but he also needs to let Kyrie know like, you know, you can go do your thing and that's fine for you, but it's not going to help our team and we're all going to fail. And that that's going to be a problem for all of us. So this is what you need to do. And so go do it. And there, there needs to be a way for that on a professional level like that for me, I'm, I'm boiling it down to a very, you know, I don't know whatever the word is. Point, but uh, um, he needs to he he needs to find a way to connect with, the, with with Kyrie and 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 get him to play the way a star needs to play within the 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 offense and 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 that offense, like you said, definitely needs to be more tailored to the strengths of his best players. Um, that college style read and react like that stuff. That stuff's just not going to work. I think we spent a whole year seeing that all they're reading is where can I find a place to get the mismatch? And the reaction is everybody got out of the way so I can take my mismatch. Like that's not exactly what this offense needs to be. So he needs to find a way to, to get them out of that habit. So very long winded way of saying that Brad needs to find that next level of coaching where the, the, the rah, rah stuff that he's been doing, the hit singles stuff like that. It's just not going to fly anymore. Like it's a great concept. And yes, the team needs to quote unquote hit singles, but he needs to get to the level of finding that connection with his star player, running an offense. Like you said, the spread, pick and roll, and, and and making sure the other guys can understand that within that you can still get your numbers, but let's not um, let's not just do the same thing that we've been doing the past couple of years because it's not going to work when you have a star laden team.
1: Yeah, and all of that is a lot easier uh, said than done because I was just thinking like you need to connect better with Kyrie Irving, one of the most confusing uh, players who uh, just says a lot of nonsense a lot of the time. And so it's like, yeah, connect better and just figure out how that guy works because that's an easy thing to do.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, oh, we didn't even mention that the, the, he's, he's interviewing J.B. Bickerstaff um, who is a guy that's, that regardless of his reputation of a, a, as a head coach is a guy that's, that earns the respect of players in the locker room. I mean, it could be as simple as he can still be the same guy
1: he needs some sort of presence in that locker room adding, to be the
0: adding to his staff. Like he could be the good cop. If he adds a bad cop, like that's, that's something that could work. Like it's not all on Brad Stevens. Like it's, he needs to assemble the staff. And, and part of what Gary Washburn's article was about going back to that is that he filled his staff out with these like Butler disciples and these college guys. Uh, he did hold over like Jay Laranega, but he, Adding another guy, adding another NBA guy with a good NBA reputation, that's that's not the worst idea in the world. And and having a guy that as the as the bad guy on on the on the bench to go in there, and and kind of be the be the like like I said the bad cop like that that would be beneficial I think to the, the Stevens staff.
1: No, I I completely agree. I think there needs to be someone who kind of. If Brad is not going to be the, the disciplinarian or the the kind of angry guy, someone with NBA pedigree, someone who might have either played in the league or coached in the league, um, to kind of be able to, uh, who has the players' respects and is is uh, able to, I guess, be more of the disciplinarian. I think that would be very beneficial to the to the South. because clearly whatever the recipe they had this year was not did not work. And so uh, while I think they'll miss Micah Shrewsbury, who's going to Purdue because uh, he was the defensive coordinator and they had a, a great defense. I think there's there needs to be some sort of change-up in uh, kind of just the dynamic of coach-player interaction. So I'd like the addition of Bickerstaff, but there could be uh, countless others who, who kind of can fill that role.
0: All right, so that's it. That's the podcast. That's our to-do list for the summer for this Boston Celtics squad. And if they do that, they can win seventy games. That's that's the prediction. <laughs> we'll we'll go through the schedule game by game and predict them all for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, well, never mind, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Your to do list is to subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Go ahead and download that Himalaya podcast app. Get those podcast feeds curated to your interests so it's a great app go ahead and download that you can also tell your smart speaker at home or in your car to play podcast Locked On Celtics all of you regular subscribers go ahead and give us that 5 star rating that good review please because it helps us out in the standings in the ratings in the whatever more people get to see us you know what I'm saying tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network yeah
1: Morales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on
2: Celtics.